0: Do you guys remember our guest from last episode? Camille McConnell talked about healing through music after the death of her three-year-old son, Wesley. Well, I had no clue, but she has an online boutique that's thriving called Modest Pop. They have the most adorable clothes. I can tell it's going to be a problem for me. There's this dress that's called the Blue Roses Embroidered Dress. Mm, so cute. And the best part is all the clothes help me feel covered and I don't have to wear layers, which drives me nuts. And that's important to me. Head over to ModestPop.com to check it out. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome, welcome to the ICU podcast. I'm your host, Julie Lee, and this is episode 90, Seeing Through a Pandemic. Hey, people. So I have to start with a funny story. I recently chopped off all my hair. It was very impulsive. COVID's still going. I need something to change decision. But I'm really happy with it. I love it. But it's pretty short. My three-year-old neighbor came over the other day And she saw me and she just seemed very stressed out. She said to me, Julie, why did you cut your hair like a boy? And I said, I like it. And she said, you like to look like a boy? (laughs) And then like two days later, Rob, my husband came in and he said, this three-year-old neighbor had stopped him and been talking to him in the driveway and said, Rob, do you know that Julie looks like a boy? Why did she cut her hair like a boy? And Rob said, oh, I think she looks good. I think she still looks like a girl. And she looks at him and she's like, no, she looks like a boy. Like she's so stressed out about my hair and she doesn't understand why no one else is worried about it. Like this is a problem. Oh, it's just so funny. We have a good laugh about that one. So, yes, I am Julie Lee. I don't think I look like a boy, but I guess that's for you to judge. For new listeners, I find out new people are listening all the time. I'm just going to introduce myself real quick. I am the mom of two kids, Sam and Lydia. Sam's five. Lydia is four. That's a boy and a girl, if you couldn't tell. Uh, my husband's name is Rob. He's a stud. And I started this podcast a little over two years ago now, which is crazy to think about. And on here, I share stories and and share experiences from my own life all about how compassion and connections save and transform lives. And it's something that I really love to do. And one of the most exciting things that's happened for me as a, as a speaker and podcaster is I just published a book. It just came out here in September, through Cedar Fort Publishing and Media, called ICU, the same as the podcast ICU: How Compassion and Connection Save Lives. And there's also a bracelet. It's a paracord bracelet, and it's magnetic. And I wear it every day of my life. It's been an exciting, crazy time for all of us. I know during COVID. And today, what I want to share with you is some thoughts I've been having, uh, specifically. Right now during COVID and kind of the unrest we see in our world. In my community, I just gave a presentation at the Spanish Fork Library kind of as like a community night. It was able to be streamed online and has received some some good attention there, I think. And I've gotten some really positive feedback from it. And so I just wanted to share some of my thoughts here that have been helpful for me as I'm dealing with just all the unrest in the world. I want to start by talking about my friend, the Grinch, that I love a lot. <laughs> I love how the Grinch stole Christmas, if you know me at all. So there's three different versions of the movie. I know there's the book, the original book that's amazing by Dr. Seuss, but there's three versions of the movie. We have the one, man, I wish I had the years on me right now so I could tell you the exact years. Uh, but, But there's the really old one that we all know, right? The Dr. Seuss Cartoon, really simple one. That's so fun. It's like twenty minutes long, and then we had the Jim Carrey version that came out. I think when I was, I don't know, like a young preteen, and then I think it was twenty eighteen when this this new like hip hoppy cartoon version of the Grinch came out. And I love all three personally. I love each and every one of them. But something that I love about the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch, well, it shows the backstory of why the Grinch went up on the mountain in his cave in the first place. You see that when he was little, he was just this really green, hairy misfit in Whoville. And he, he was a part of the community. He wasn't born in that cave, but he was made fun of by his peers. He was, people were mean to him, uh, because of the way he looked. And so he decided to remove himself from the community. And that's when he climbs up and he finds this cave as a child and he stays there. So it kind of gives us some perspective and empathy for why maybe the Grinch went in the cave in the in the first place. And I can, I feel like I can relate to the Grinch, not because people make fun of how I look. Okay, actually, that's funny to say right now because of the story of my three-year-old neighbor, but <laughs> usually people don't make fun of me a lot for how I look. And we're all adults now. I'm 30 years old. Usually people aren't poking fun at me. Only three-year-olds, only three-year-olds. I can take it. I relate to the idea of needing to separate myself and just like have some alone time. And even if that means distancing myself a little bit from really toxic relationships and needing to set up some boundaries, like I get that. I get the idea of needing to be by myself and to do my yoga or whatever it is, have time to ponder. Um, But I think the temptation can be sometimes when we have negative experiences with people or out of our own insecurities or fears or anger, to isolate ourselves more permanently and to kind of hole up in a cave and to remove ourselves from our community. And I think there's a lot of problems that come with that. But you see in this Jim Carrey version of the Grinch that the Grinch does eventually return. Why does he return? Well, this is also shown in the other versions of the film, but he returns because he hears the Who's singing, even after he's stolen Christmas. He hears them singing, and he realizes that they're not exactly who he thought they were. Maybe they'd even changed a little bit from when he was younger. Why should we choose to live in, in, in Whoville, even when we've been hurt, even when we're insecure, or we're afraid, or we're angry, or just sometimes the Who's are annoying, right? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. And what I want more than anything is for each of us to choose Whoville. I'm going to set that aside for a second. We're going to come back to the Grinch. I want to talk about the history of television. So we had black and white TV, right? Which was exciting um, for people that had never seen TV before. They didn't know any different when black and white TV came out. I have the year in my book, the year that it came out, but I don't have it in my brain anymore. But you can go look it up in my book. Uh, or you can look it up on the internet, because that's how I found out, right? No, but I'm thinking of the Brady Bunch uh, in black and white and just like how fun that was and how exciting it was to have moving picture to watch. Super entertaining. Well, you give it a couple decades, and then they came out with color television. And I'm thinking of Boy Meets World, which was one of my favorite shows growing up, and I still love. I was so bummed we moved, and I don't know where all my seasons of Boy Meets World are. I think they are somewhere in, I don't know, some grave in a ditch somewhere where Boy Meets World DVDs go. But I'm pretty sad about it. But I love color television, right? We all did when it came out, when it switched from black and white to color. Mind-blowing. Well, you give it a little longer, and what did we get to? We got to movies like Avatar. We got to high definition TV where the colors were more vibrant and we could just see things with a greater clarity. Now, I feel like the history of TV is a really good analogy for the way we think about situations and people. And this is where I kind of dive into black and white thinking, which I first introduced this concept actually on episode five of the podcast. So really early on, this has been something that's been really helpful in my own personal life in healing and healing and trying to live uh, a life where I really try and see people in reality and for who they really are. This idea of black and white thinking. So just like the TV started in black and white, sometimes we can think in black and white. We can you know, that's what we see and, and, and that's working for us and it's exciting and we're happy. But I think there's a better way to think about people and that's in color. And then even better is high definition. Now, let me break down what this means a little bit. Black and white thinking, in my opinion, is thinking about people and situations in absolutes. It's either good or bad. It's not very complicated. It's very easy to separate out and put in boxes with labels that's black and white thinking. Black and white thinking makes it difficult to hold more than one emotion at once. But then we can we can try to think in color. And thinking in color to me is adding that compassion in the way we think. It's looking at someone in their circumstances and seeing the complicatedness of their life that's brought them to this point. Because all of us come to life with a different set of biology, different experiences, different home life growing up. The teachers we had, all of these things compile to make who we are today and the opinions we have and the beliefs and convictions we have. So, when we can recognize that, we're able to think about people in color a little more and be able to have compassion for why they are the way they are, good or bad. And then I think there's an even more elevated way of thinking, and that's high definition thinking. And in my mind, this is kind of where we add the connection piece, right? Compassion and connection. We're able to look at people not only with compassion, but we're able to connect with them and find ways that their strengths benefit us in the world because everybody has strengths to offer, right? I want to look at this with the analogy of the Grinch. So the Grinch, when he moved up into his his cave and he chose to steal Christmas from the who's because he was so mad at them. I think he was thinking a little more in black and white. He was thinking in absolutes. The who's are bad. Christmas is stupid. I'm taking it right. Very black and white thinking. And he does that. But then he starts thinking in color when he's on top of his mountain after stealing Christmas and he starts hearing them singing He starts feeling some compassion for these people. He's realizing that maybe there's a little more to them. Maybe, like in the Jim Carrey version, they're not just the mean kids he saw growing up. Maybe some of them aren't that way. Maybe some of them have even changed. And then he goes to high definition thinking when he goes back to Whoville and he joins in the feast, The Grinch, the Grinch himself carved the roast beast. It says something like that, right? He connects with them. He engages in the community. That is high definition thinking. He's able to see that they have something to offer him. That he's not seeing them in black and white and he's not even just seeing them in color with compassion. He's seeing that they have strengths. Boy, I said that weird like a Spanish accent. Strengths. They have strengths to offer him and he's willing to engage in that. I want to tell you a story about a girl that I went to school with growing up. Now, my, maybe my favorite job of all time, besides, you know, speaking and writing and these fun things I'm doing now. Ooh, also I loved my hardware job in high school. That one too. Okay. Oh, well, I love teaching second grade. I don't know. I've liked a lot of jobs I've had, but one of my very favorites was My first job, besides like babysitting and stuff, I worked at a snow cone shack when I was 14 and 15 years old for two summers. And I loved it so much because I just blasted my country music and I ate all the snow cones I wanted and I read all my books and I just people watched, which has always been something I enjoy. (laughs) I really like people and I like watching people in a totally not creepy way. And I saw this girl walking up to the snow shack that I had gone to school with. This was in junior high, but she dropped out of school because she was pregnant. And to be honest, I saw her in a very black and white way at that age. I think a lot of us, you know teenagers and children, it's its just easier to think about things in black and white. And I saw her as like a bad girl, if I'm being honest, I saw her as a bad girl who made bad choices and I didn't really need to have anything to do with. And it was really cool because I had this experience where she walked up to the snow cone shack to order a snow cone from me. And all of a sudden I just like had all this love pour over me. And it, it's, it's as if I was i seeing the humanity in her and I felt all of this intense love for her and admiration for her for the struggle she was going through. So in this situation, at first, you know, I had seen her in black and white, good or bad, not a lot of complicated to the complicatedness to this. And then I saw her and I began to feel this compassion. I started thinking in color and seeing for her as someone who had been dealt kind of a tough hand. And yes, some of that was by her own choice, but that doesn't really matter as far as me choosing to have compassion for her. We can never have too much compassion. That's one of the neat things about compassion as an emotion and as an action is there's no hard edge. You can never have too much compassion. And if you feel like you're having too much compassion, it probably means it's changing into something else that's not compassion. Because compassion is also sometimes letting consequences follow. It's it's having the best interest of someone in mind. So I was thinking about her in compassion. And then at the time I didn't do this, but now as an adult, I can see that I could see this girl in high definition because I bet she has some things to offer me. Like I bet she knows a little bit about feeling excluded or feeling different from other people. You know, and and part of that compassion piece thinking in color also was recognizing this girl like maybe she didn't have a lot of great role models at home. Maybe she didn't feel loved by her family. I don't know. But it certainly makes her look a little less black and white and I'm able to see her in color and even in high definition as I see that she has strengths to offer this world even though she's made choices at the time i didn't agree with well i still don't agree with that you know but <laughs> that's not really my business to worry a ton about that right like my job is to have compassion on her and to and to engage with her as much as i can i want to take us back a little bit to let's see it's almost been 20 years um 911 was such a crazy time. Do you remember where you were? I remember I was in a sixth grade English class. And I I remember I had, well, before the English class, I was late to school, first of all. And I was getting out of my family's giant van. I don't know, a Dodge Ram van. It was like two-toned blue Dodge Ram van. And my mom was listening to the radio and she was saying like, wait, wait. And I was like, mom, I was annoyed. Mom, I got to go to school. And I just... I ran out of the car and I had to run through all the way through the middle school to get to the portables outside of the middle school. And I came into my English classroom and the TV was on and I just saw smoke around these buildings, so much smoke. And I sat down and I didn't understand why we were watching TV at school, you know, but I'll take it, not having to do work. Which is such a flippant way to think of things, but I just had no clue what was going on. And I remember the boy next to me who he kind of had a tendency to mouth off. Uh, I remember he was saying, "Whoa, my like cool explosions!" And my sweet English teacher looked at him and she said, "Stop it right now. Stop it. This is not funny. And I remember we all paid attention real quick to the TV. And I knew in that moment that something really bad had happened. Later that night, as I sat with my older brother, Danny, we sat on the couch and we watched, you know, the news, the live footage of the towers on September 11th. And we just saw these amazing things. We saw these people praying and hugging that, I know we're different races. I'm sure different sexual orientations, certainly different religions, maybe people that didn't even usually pray, praying together, hugging each other, crying together. We saw American flags raised everywhere. People putting their life on the line for each other. And I think that's something that's so neat that can come from crisis. It's just an extreme amount of unity. And it's like everything falls away. That doesn't, that didn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter, you know, whether or not you and I have the exact same beliefs. What matters is we're human beings and there's some reverence in that. And there's some need to witness each other, to see each other, if you will, as humans who need each other. And as I think about right now during COVID and during this incredibly polarized election, during this Black Lives Matter movement and the rioting and the, the silent, respectful protesting, all of it. I feel like we're really missing this unity during an extreme time of crisis. A time when we are losing a lot of people. Certainly not in the same devastating way that we watched uh, so abruptly on September 11th. But we're losing people. Not only from COVID and and from the rioting, but I think people are dying from the inside out because they're feeling so incredibly isolated, not just physically, but emotionally. Right now, more than ever, we need each other. You guys, we need to unify as a nation and whether or not our political leaders are being great examples of that. We need to go against the grain here, I think. We need to engage with each other and really see each other right now more than ever. Now more than ever, we got to stop thinking in black and white. I know I do. I struggle with this on a daily basis. So I'm speaking from my own experience as a, you know, in my own very specific experiences as a 30-year-old white female who has a really blessed life, to be honest, and who's also been through some pretty difficult challenges, as some of you know. We all have a story. I shared a Facebook post recently that I want to read to you um, that has to do with a lesson I've been learning from my sweet sister, Amy, who's, who has terminal cancer. She's dying from cancer right now. Um, this is her second round. It started as breast cancer, and it's still breast cancer, but it has traveled to her lungs. Sorry, not her lungs. Lungs is also a bad place, to her liver, a different different L word organ. That's in her liver. She's taught me some really important lessons my entire life. She has cared for me when I had nothing left. She's been an incredible strength and best friend to me and incredible sister. But something she's especially taught me during cancer is to have no hard feelings. When she was diagnosed the first time, she was pregnant with her sixth child and just her life looked pretty impossible. And she had someone share with her. They said, cancer is going to change you no matter what but you get to choose whether it makes you softer or harder. And she told me, I remember uh, we were sitting in not this house, in the house I lived in before this one. She told me, I need this to make me softer. I can't get hard. And she has certainly done that. I've watched my sister have more compassion than ever for other people because of what she's been through. So this post uh, I'm going to read it to you right now that I wrote a couple weeks ago. I wrote, Some moments stop you in your tracks. I had one of these moments this past weekend as Amy took a nap on my lap and I rubbed her cute GI Jane head. She's getting more tired these days. She recently introduced me to the song No Hard Feelings by the Avid brothers. Here are some of my favorite lyrics. And Amy, let me pause from this Facebook post. Amy was on the podcast for episode, ooh, I want to remember right now. I want to say 82. I'll put it in the show notes. 81. Amy was on, well, she was first on episode three, being seen as a mother. And then she was on an episode not too long ago where she talked about um, giving up control. I want to say it's like 81 or 82, but maybe it's even 80. I don't know. You'll have to go look it up, but... I would encourage you to go listen to that. She talks about giving up control during this time as she's dying. Um, but she she shares this same song in that in that episode, so this might be familiar to you. Okay, back to my Facebook post. She recently introduced me to the song No Hard Feelings by the Abbott Brothers. Here are some of my favorite lyrics. When my body won't hold me anymore and it finally lets me free, will I be ready? When my feet won't walk another mile and my lips give their last good, their good and my lips give their last kiss goodbye, will my hands be steady. When I lay down my fears, my hopes, and my doubts, the rings on my fingers, and the keys to my house, with no hard feelings. As I contemplate my angel sister leaving this world, I am amazed at how she has become softer, not harder, through this. She is compassion. May we all take after her example as we experience our daily challenges. Let 2020 make us softer instead of harder. And that is my challenge to each of us, that let's become softer, you guys, right now, when there are a lot of reasons around us to become harder, to become more divided than ever. Let's unify. Let's find ways to do that. Say hi to people, even behind a mask. You can still see their eyes. You can still see them, even when they're wearing a mask. Someone dropped off. A little jar of flowers to me yesterday, a neighbor in my neighborhood who I don't know super well. And she just dropped it off just because, and she just said, I hope these make you happy and drove away. Talk about seeing someone and seeing someone you don't even know that well, but just doing it for the sake of doing it because you know that all of us need a little more joy in our lives. I want to be more like her. And that's my goal this week. I want to thank our sponsor again, Camille McConnell. Her online boutique, Modest Pop, has some beautiful clothing and I love that it's covering and that it's cool. (laughs) Is this what being 30 is? I don't know. I just want to be covered and comfortable these days. And I know there's a lot of men that listen to this podcast. So if you need a Christmas gift idea, maybe buy my book first and my bracelet. Just kidding but really do it. No, but go to modestpop.com and see if there's anything there that can bring you a little joy right now as we're all needing that. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on episode 90. Until next time, my name is Julie Lee and I see you.